Next on MLR Weekly, NOLA Gold GM Ryan Fitzgerald, Brian Ray of America's Rugby News, and John Fitzpatrick of Rugby Morning. Rugby Wrap-Ups MLR Weekly brought to you by Sheehy Auto Stores. It's easy at Sheehy. The Pig & Whistle, New York City. The world's best rugby pub. And Lean and Limber, stretching your way to a healthier lifestyle. Presented by Rugby Wrap-Up, Matt McCarthy in New York City. Thank you for joining us once again. We have a great show. We have Ryan Fitzgerald, the refreshingly transparent GM of the NOLA Gold. We have Brian Ray of America's Rugby News with rumors, needs, whatnot. But before we get to any of that stuff, we have our recurring segment, Rugby Morning's Coffee Break with John Fitzpatrick, who is vaping or doing something. <laughs> Veining, vaping. John, uh, we didn't mean to get too personal with you on your personal time, but I do see that you're um, sporting a spiffy jersey. What is that jersey? Thank you very much, Matt, for noticing it. This is one of my college rugby jerseys for the American University Club Eagles in Washington, D.C. see the logo. Oh, there it is. Oh, copy. you're stealing from... The Golden Eagles there with the crest, the, the uh, really just, I hope that you'll be sued as per this program. But the Golden Eagles, your Eagles, right? That segues us to Team USA's Eagles. I, I know that you're champing at the bit to talk about them. Yes, congrats to the USA Men's Eagles Sevens for finally qualifying for the Paris Olympics in 2024. They're going to join the USA Women who qualified earlier. But special congrats to Utah Warriors flanker Lance Williams. He's on the seventh squad. We'll see if he's out there in Paris. But, Matt, I got to ask you, how come he's not getting a serious look for the 15 side? Uh, well, you know, uh, that's a very good question. But at least he's getting a look with the sevens program. And if he's a flanker that can play sevens, then some eyeballs have to be drawn to him. At least he's in there. And let's see what he can do. He's a, he's a phenomenal athlete, number one. And number two, he's got that extra incentive of proving himself on the national level. Next! Hey, speaking of MLR players at top-level international rugby, there are at least seven players in MLR who are representing their nations at the Rugby World Cup in September. Namibia, Uruguay, Tonga, I mean, just to name a few here, right? So from the New England Free Jacks, Vian Conradi, LaRue Milan. But I got to bring up Manuel Ardao from Uruguay. He's the 24-year-old Penarel captain. And uh, I think I mispronounced that, and I apologize, in Super Rugby's America. But he just signed a deal to play for the Miami Sharks in the 2024 MLR season. Matt, this guy, Manuel, is supposed to be the real deal. Even better than Messi. Can you believe that? Yeah, well, I don't believe that, but I do know that Manny's back in town with the Sharks. And, and Miami continues to put out great social media stuff. Kudos, Miami Sharks. If, if your social media stuff is any indication of what this franchise is going to add to MLR Weekly and MLR, I am excited. Next! Muy bien, sí. 
Hey, speaking of the Miami Sharks, congrats on their very first MLR Collegiate Draft with the first overall pick. They selected St. Bonaventure lock Ricky Rose. They also had uh, two other picks that were high quality. I got to say, Matt, the Miami Sharks, they've got about 10 players so far, a couple other players who are loosely confirmed with the squad. They're putting together some impressive names. What are your thoughts on the Miami Sharks, you know, winning a game or two or more in their well, overall season? You know, we'll see if Ricky Rose is a late bloomer. And we'll see how he meshes with the Shark internationals, right? How's his Argentinian? Next! Your jokes are a thorn in my side. Hey, you have a budding career as a comedian. I don't mean to rain on your parade. You're just farming for laughs, aren't you? Disgusting. John, what is your take on who the winner is in the MLR draft as far as the team is concerned? Matt, great question. I think there are a number of teams that had at least an A-minus draft grade. Uh, I think the San Diego Legion had an excellent draft, two picks in the first round there. James Rivers and then Tyrone Algebori. Also like what the Houston Sabercats did, the fact that they nabbed Max Schumacher, Cal, Fly half fullback number two overall. Really would love to see if they could develop him as the next great American fly half. Wouldn't that be something else? But you know what? I think the Chicago Hounds had an excellent draft, but I'm going to give it to Nola Gold. I just love what Fitzy down there does in New Orleans. He traded up a couple times in the first round. They had three first round picks. Quality stuff from Nola Gold as they kind of retool off a, a disappointing season. If you look back historically, they always seem to have pretty solid drafts, drafting some young American talent. So kudos to Nola Gold and the other team. Strong draft yet again this year. And, of course, uh, Shoemaker is the grandson of uh, Willie Shoemaker, who rode Seabiscuit to the, uh, many, many historic wins. Uh, next! Matt, I'm calling a BS on that uh, Seabiscuit reference. I think Willie Shoemaker was actually a cobbler. And it's Schumacher. Schumacher, Shoemaker, tomato, tomato. Let's call the whole thing off. Next! Hey, Matt, that's all I got. We will be hearing some more news about the Miami Sharks and also what's going on with Atlanta, now L.A. Optimistic, we'll hear about the new ownership group, a new team name, branding, all that good stuff in the next couple of weeks. John, thank you once again. Uh, we might get some of those questions answered with our next guests. Who knows? That's why you have to come back after this. Need a great price on a new vehicle? Sheehy makes it easy. Easy Price shows you our lowest prices on the Mid-Atlantic's largest selection. Find your best price online or at any of our 31 dealerships. It's easy at Sheehy. You need your cleats? You need them tomorrow? If you order today by 3 p.m. New York time or noon L.A. time, they can have them to you tomorrow. Young, old, male, female, if you're playing on turf, if you're playing on grass, if you're playing in the rain, you're playing in the heat, they've got you covered. RugbyNow.com. Go there now. All right, we're back. And once again, we have the pleasure of having one of our favorite guests, Mr. Ryan Fitzgerald of the nola gold uh ryan welcome back to mlr weekly man thanks a lot for having me as always always a pleasure brother it wasn't the season that you had in your head right this yep. last campaign some things went wrong some mind-numbing things went wrong and then some things went great 
Yeah. Right? And, th and that was pretty much the story of the Nola Gold in 2023 was inconsistency and head scratching. Yeah, I think you nailed it, Matt. I mean, obviously, we had we had some times this year where I thought we played some of our best rugby that we've ever had at Nola Gold in our 10-year year, you know, um, some great games that, you know, go forward ball on the front foot, just flowing, just playing off the cuff, just as right there watching on the sidelines. It was outstanding. And then we had some, um, like you said, some head scratches that were just completely inconsistent, went kind of, the plan kind of went awry quickly. Um, the game plan that we installed throughout the week, we just, you know, just had struggled to execute it. And it was, it was, it was tough. And, uh, you know, we obviously had a, a big overhaul or, you know, some new player, a bunch of new players came in. It did take some time to click. We did lead the league with, I think with 37, you know, workman's comp claims as far as like injuries and like didn't have any like bad, bad, you know, we had one season ender, but we had a lot of those ones that were three to yeah. four weeks, four to six weeks, you know, against San Diego. We played San Diego with 10 starters out. Um, so those are hard to get in the rhythm. I didn't tell you our record right there. Like we were two and 14, but we were seven and nine. And uh, DC came in here the last home game of the season. They beat us. If we would have beat that, if we win that game. We're in, the, we're winning in the playoffs, if not hosting. All right. So let's look at the draft. You had three picks in the top in the first round, three picks. You had six, seven and 11. Yes. Who are you disappointed in that you didn't get? No, honestly, all those, all, every single player that was up there was outstanding and all on our board. And, um, you know, could have went, you know, I, I, I had a pretty good inclination. I thought um, Ricky Rose was probably going to be number one. Yeah, um, so yeah. I'm at the collegiate rugby shield. I think if uh, Miami coming in as an expansion team and trying to find six foot six American locks, that's, you know, coming out of college that can play and they got some skills that can, uh, that's, you know, really well-spoken, smart kid, captain. I think that was, that was a, probably a pretty strong pick for them right off the bat, you know, uh, with number one. So I would probably, you know, obviously then Max at number two, you could see that as well. You know, you're coming out of Cal and you know, I, I can put points on the board. They just lost their backup fly half going to Toronto. And that's the key too. I mean, you, you're, when you're picking these players, often you have to be picking them to develop them, right? Yes. Yes. <laughs> I, I believe, I believe when I know a couple of people sometimes ask like, what's your philosophy in the draft a little bit. I mean, obviously you'd be in a perfect world. You could just, pick a guy and just plug in and play here. And I think yeah. sometimes that is, I think sometimes, especially where some of these kids are programs that the kids are coming from that, the, that's becoming a bigger and bigger leap as the, as the league continues to right. uh, evolve and the players that are coming into this league, the gap from your senior year in college to, you know, to the MLR is growing and growing that if you can get a well-coached, tough, really good rugby player, doesn't you don't necessarily have to know. I don't think the first day of training camp, what position he's going to be. I think if you just get him in the door, get him in the building, find his niche, um, and and see you know develop where it's where where he feels most comfortable. It ends up being fly half or in the midfield or at wing or if it's a you know a, a was a back rower but or was a lock now he's kind of more of a six stuff like that or if you you know loose head and loose head in college but maybe he slides over to hooker maybe he's, you know vice versa with tight head whatever. So um, I think the I think one of the keys is to have that versatility in the, in these draft classes and here in this here in the states. Um, Yes, we don't necessarily always start rugby at four or five years old, so we're probably not going to have the skill sets of the bowling right. barons and all the. But one thing we do is we're we are big, we are strong, we know leverage, we wrestle, we play football. We're you know, we all that. So if we can get some of these big fellows that maybe didn't have, and also know, you know, maybe they came from a university where, you know, they didn't get a lot of front row coaching. So if we can get them in here and you get them around some eagles like some Matt Harmons and Dino Waldrons that we had, and you know. Um, you know, just Jared Adams, Sean Perrini, all these guys, paddle tool. And you can get them around them, hit the sled, put, bang the shoulders, you know, get them in here as early as possible. Even if you get pushed around a little bit, you know, we had a, a couple years back, our second overall pick was Brian Nolt. 
you know, and his first ever MLR game is a friendly against Austin and he has to go against Jamie McIntosh. Yeah. And he got pushed oh. around <laughs> and he got, you know, he got buried there for a little bit. Yeah, and he's a big said, man. He's like, well, that sucked. I'm like, well, the good news is that's probably as hard as it's going to get, you yeah. know? So you already got that one out of the way. So, and Brian Nott was outstanding for us for two years, you know? So, All right. so let me interrupt you for a second. You said get them in early, right? How about the kid that's playing that played 50 minutes out of St. Mary's for team USA as a sophomore at St. Mary's? Yeah. What can we bring him into an MLR camp? Was, and then yeah. does he lose does he have to lose his college eligibility? Should we tweak this? Because yeah. if he's allowed to go back, if he doesn't make it, he's still got a junior and senior year ahead of him. Doesn't he bring back some stuff to that college team that they didn't have oh, before? And doesn't I'm that sure. aren't we all better off for that? Of course, I'm sure. But but first of all, when I said bring him in early, I meant like us. Like for example, we had August 17th to draft, and two weeks we start our fall season. So that's what I meant. Like get him in here now instead of waiting all the way till January. Get him here this fall season and start working right now. Sure. Um, but it's sure. going back to your going to the college kids. Yeah, that would be awesome if you could um, you could let up a little bit on there. I mean, even there's downtime like after Thanksgiving where there's that window where some of these they got to get that exposure. To, you know, yeah, when they're 19 and 20 and 21, and not just be getting the exposure after they get drafted at 22 and 23. If right. we're truly going to start developing these players for the league and for the country simultaneously. Right. You know, I'm, you know, I'm talking, you know, this is, this is above my pay grade, so to speak, but that it just seems that way from the outside. And I, and I know that there are those out there that want to declare the NCAA rules and make it legit in college and all this, but I think we have to customize it until we're at a certain point and then say, okay, now we can do it. Right. Right. Yeah. That would be awesome in a perfect world as well. Luckily for Dominic out there, he's in a good program with St. Mary's, but there are some kids that we talked about earlier, some good players that, um, come from a club team that no knock on that club or that university just don't have the funding to have a you know paid coach and the full program. It's more you know it's a club situation where between eighteen to twenty two you definitely lose a you know that's your prime time right there. We could be gaining some ground quickly if you were at the MLR level or in an MLR program that would probably help your growth uh, big time. All right, Ryan. Final question for you: um, yes. What's the Nola Gold's record going to be in twenty twenty four? In the playoffs. That's all right. Okay. <laughs> whatever it, all whatever right. it takes to get in that thing, whatever it takes, you know, yeah. um, whatever, honestly, that's, that's want to get in, but honestly, all jokes aside too, Matt, that's a big goal. That's a big goal. And I hate to be cliche and stuff like that, but that's our overall big goal. Getting the playoffs, win a championship. I think that's all 13 teams goal. I don't think there's anybody taking the field, you know, taking the pitch, sorry, in January going, well, you know, if we go two and 14, as long as we're having fun, I don't think that's anybody's goal. Um, there's, this is professional, there's jobs on the line, there's money on the line as far as, you know, uh, putting, putting butts in seats, et cetera, as a business there in that aspect. So, um, but overall, honestly, it's, it is when you start thinking about the details, you got to think about in the micro. And I know it sounds really cliche, but I'm excited that the draft part is now behind us. And in two weeks, we're actually going to be, you know, throwing it around with the guys down here that we're bringing in for our ARP season and playing the Houston's and life and Tennessee elite, getting some games in here this fall that camaraderie going and you know brick by brick day by day you're here like i said i know that's still cliche comments and everything that but can't uh you know can't focus on what's going to happen in july in the playoffs when we're sitting here 11 months away from that i mean we need we need to win the day here should should scott lawrence be the head coach of team usa's men 15s program 100 percent mr ryan fitzgerald of the nola gold thank you sir much appreciated thank you appreciate it, brother
All right, we'll be right back with Mr. Brian Ray of America's Rugby News right after this. If you're in New York City and want to watch some great rugby, have some great food, and some great times, go to the world's best rugby pub, The Pig and Whistle on West 36th Street. This is the Rugby Odds, where an unlikely pundit panel of a wordsmith, a WWE legend, a rugby star, and a supermodel scour the globe, seeking best bets and bad behavior. Are you not entertained? with Mr. Brian Ray of America's Rugby News. And Brian, you were up very early this morning at work, and it's only uh, midday at your time in Halifax, Nova Scotia right now, yet you're yawning because you're exhausted. So we appreciate you making the extra effort coming on. Yeah, nothing like uh, interrupting my virtual vacation to, to come on the show and talk a little rugby. We had John Fitzpatrick of Rugby Morning on uh, just previous to you coming on here. And he spoke about the MLR draft a little bit and what he thought the winners and losers were. He thought NOLA did well. He thought Miami did well. You might have a different slant on this. What was your take? What's the Canadian take on the MLR draft? I thought Houston did well. Uh, Max Schumacher, to me, was the clear best player, uh, you know, from an American perspective uh, heading into this draft. And they got him at number two, which is terrific. Um, so I think they did really well to get Max. Now, you know, I, it sounds like they want to try and, and work him as a, as a kind of fly half slash fullback kind of guy. He played more fullback than he did fly half at Cal. He certainly has the skills uh, to be, play a bit of fly half. He can kick off both feet, nice step, uh, good hands. It looks like he's got all the, the, the talent to do so, but he's just not really experienced there. So I think, you know, anybody with his hopes that he's going to magically turn into America's next great fly half might have to reserve that a little. Let's see how it goes, because that's a position you need experience in, uh, you know. So we'll see what happens. To me, he's more of a fullback, but uh, he's certainly very talented. Uh, so I think that's a good pick. They got Oren Bitzer as well. Uh, you know, his sister obviously plays the, the Eagles as well. So that's a very good pick. He could turn out to be one of, if not the best, loose forwards in the draft. So, you know, to come out with two arguably the best players in the in their position, their respective positions uh, from from the draft uh, is a really good, uh, you know, really good draw for, for Houston. So I think they did very well. What did you like about New England? Yeah, New England, I thought I was pretty shocked to see Gabe Casey going at the last pick in the first, uh, you know, round of the draft. It's almost like everybody kind of forgot that Gabe was there. I mean, this is the only player in the draft who is already a capped international. So I don't understand why you'd be... You know, I, I, maybe they called him and he said he wasn't interested or something. But uh, anytime you got a player like that who you know is going to be able to perform right out of the gate, I mean, that's a that you want to snap that player up. So I think Gabe Casey is a great addition to the game. They got Junior Nafa. Uh, just, he was playing football at Brown, isn't played rugby in a little bit, but uh, he's you know he's working in their academy and uh, he he was a high school All-American. He's not completely new to rugby by any stretch. 
Uh, he looks like a fantastic athlete, powerful midfielder. So, you know, that's a great project to have. And Will Chevalier, who we didn't even know was in the draft, who wasn't in the draft until I think the day before or something like that. He's a USA Eagle International Sevens. Uh, this guy's got talent. Now, yeah. he played a bit of like fullback university, but it picked him as a scrum half. Uh, and again, I think the Nafa and Chevalier, these guys, they pay off, are going to be great picks for them. So I think New England did their homework. And you have the luxury now, if you're these teams, San Diego and New England, to taking a project on and working on them. And that's that's what we need to do in this league to sustain the growth of the American game or the Canadian game. Let's call it the North American game, right? The, the, the willingness to develop rather than have an impact and instead trading away draft picks because you know they're not going to have an immediate impact. That's pretty much been par for the course so far, but for a few teams that have said, hey, we're going to do it anyway. Uh, so what's your take on the Miami draft? Interesting. I mean, they went with tight forwards. Uh, that's fine. I just didn't think the depth of tight forwards. They're, I mean, there's some guys, they got a couple guys with size. I mean, obviously they went with Rick Rose, first overall, six foot seven, genuine six foot seven. He's a big guy, big frame on him. Uh, I, I don't think he's right, ready right out of the gate. He's a guy who's going to take a little bit of work. Um, so I, I thought that was. Who would you liken him to? That's a current MLR player. A young Isaac Ross. I mean, I don't want to wow. compare him to an All Black per se, but that, that style, is, you know, that is big he, praise. He, he's he's range again. <laughs> I'm not saying he's going to achieve anything like Isaac did, but at the same front of frame that that you know same similar six seven. He can get up in the line uh, really well. It looks like and uh, you know take high balls. Looks like he's got decent hands on him not the quickest guy around the pitch but um but but we'll see how he, he turns out he certainly has to put on a little bit of muscle and and work on that body composition a little bit but uh you know he, he's he's worth a gamble i think and then they got charlie overton who's uh slightly shorter uh a good young guy he played with the uh the high school all americans i think and um you know he'd been playing at life uh, university more recently so uh interested to see how he goes you know so they got two big uh, domestic immediately uh, available domestic locks um, you know if one of them pans out really well in MLR then that's a win for them um, so that'll be interesting and Setu Vole they got a, a pretty solid looking prop uh, you know there wasn't really any props that stood out as being sure thing stars in this one but Vole certainly has the right physical you know stature to, to succeed so uh, we'll see how he goes all right so let's change gears a little bit here let's talk about Team USA versus Georgia in your opinion, is George the, the Georgian team that took the pitch, were they better than the, the Portuguese team that took the pitch against the Eagles the week before? Uh, different kind of styles, tough to say. I think, yeah, Georgia was, that lineup on paper anyways, was was better than what the Eagles faced against Portugal. But, I mean, as you saw, I mean, uh, Portugal is spin to win. I mean, that, that's what they do, and those backs are as good as any. I mean, they're just ridiculously quick, and they're well-drilled, whereas Georgia is more up front, you know, wear you down and, and go to the, the driving ball and, and the scrum. So, um, you know, it was pleasing. It, their style isn't really one where you're going to put up 60, 70 points on an opponent. It's, that's just not what they do. They they wear you down with attrition, and I thought the, the Eagles fronted up incredibly well i mean caleb geiger playing in his second yeah. test the guys have playing tight head prop for a few months going up against the scrum like that and did exceptionally well i was tremendously impressed with that 
Uh, I, I thought the set piece was a step up. I thought the defense was the biggest win by far against George. I mean, it was committed. It was solid. Um, you know, they scored a couple tries that came down to individual errors. I know Chris Matina won't be, you know, enjoying that, uh, that uh, missed tackle. Uh, but he made up for it with some great plays, uh, you know, under the high ball, a nice uh, pass that set up a try, ended up uh, leading De Ruben de Haas' try. So, um, you know, stuff like that, uh, you work on that. Uh, Luke White drifted a little too far on one thing, on one uh, well, defensive to, play. In defense of Luke White. They're playing him all over the place. The guy's yeah. the guy's the only thing he hasn't played this year is hooker. Yeah, you exactly. Know? And it and or this is international. It, right. It's a step up, right? The, the the speed of the game is just a little that much quicker. You can't, you know, when that happens, they just teams at this level exploit it uh, instantly. So that, those are learning things for them. They'll they'll look at the tape and they'll understand how they have to adjust slightly. And I, I think Scott Lawrence will take a, a heck of a lot from this tour. You know, it was great to see Don Besag come in. Probably figured he was going to get you know five or ten minutes. Ended up getting like what forty five. Uh, so that's out of St. Mary's. He's getting fifty yeah. minutes at center on the international test level. That is awesome. You know, and, that's- and you know, I I, I want to see more Don Besags, uh, not just in the national team, but but in MLR. Uh, that, if that's one complaint I have about this draft is we're getting guys 23 years old. We need more 2021s yeah. coming into MLR. They need to work something out with, with college rugby to allow it or something because that's how they're going to get better. Scott Lawrence is absolutely right. You get them in the games, and that's how they're going to learn the most. We're talking rugby here. Rugby is not NCAA sport. I just yeah. don't see why they can't work together and fi- figure out something where – Playing a couple games at the MLR level, you know, it completely takes away their college eligibility. I just don't agree that we don't have that in Canada. Guys who play for the Arrows can go back and play for the university. No problem. No questions asked. So I don't understand why they don't have that uh, south of the border. And you could make the argument that it only will improve the level of the college play because the guy's got that experience that he can share, you know, even even on the coaching level. Tell them, hey, we did this drill, that drill, this, this kind of, this is the way we did the workouts, blah, 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 blah. And... Yeah, you know, I think there's a, there's a few people that kind of pull the strings on this on the college level, and they all think that, oh, we have to follow the NCAA model uh, to be legit. And I get that argument, but you got to customize that argument. You know, got to customize that decision and make it work for what's on the field and on our plates right now. You can't just say we're going to do this because it's not going to serve the game or the player or the student athlete, for that matter, better. That's just my opinion. All right, what else you got for us? Yeah, well, I, you know, speaking of Miami, uh, you know, I, I guess you've talked about Manuel Ardao, this outstanding open side they're getting from Uruguay. They're also getting Felipe Echeverri. He was the player of the year in uh, Super Rugby Americas, plays fly half or wow. fullback, very quick, a very good playmaker. You, you know, you, you put him there with with Tomas Cubelli, the Argentine scrum half, that's going to be something. And you also got Shane O'Leary, the Canadian international, so go off to a good start in the halfbacks. And then they got uh, Tomas Enciarte coming in. Uh, he's playing mostly outside center right now for, for Uruguay and Peñarol, but he can also slot in at scrum half. So another handy player that's always good to have. And they're getting Oscar Duran uh, as their assistant coach, their scrum uh, uh, oh. he's a scrum specialist, played prop for Uruguay, very experienced guy. So I think uh, uh, those are very handy pickups for them. And uh, hey, Miami right out of the gates uh, could be one to watch in the East. Interesting that you keep you're mentioning some Uruguayan players and for the Argentinian uh, ownership group, right? So it's it's kind of like uh, you know 
United States and Canada with the symbiotic relationship. Yeah, it's interesting, but hey, you know, they're neighbors, so they're just creeping over the border, uh, plucking out the best of the best from over there. I think it's a great policy. All right, Brian Ray of America's Rugby News. Thank you, sir. And Mr. John Fitzpatrick of Rugby Morning's Coffee Break and Brian Fitzgerald, GM of the NOLA Gold. And thank you for tuning in. Please check out our other shows, including the critically acclaimed The Rugby Odds, the College Rugby Wrap-Up, see our draft show, our live draft show. It's not live now, but you can check that out on YouTube. Please hit that subscribe button on YouTube. Join our weekly newsletter and please sign up for our American Red Cross Blood Donor Team.